Taiwan announced four local cases on Wednesday. One is a Taipei City man whose infection is not believed to be recent. The other three cases can be traced back to a cluster infection at Taoyuan's International Airport. With these new cases, Taoyuan's airport cluster has now spread to 42 people. Citing genetic sequencing results, the CECC has identified the infection source as a traveler who arrived in Taiwan last month on Christmas Eve. The CECC announced three new local cases in connection to the Taoyuan Airport cluster. The home carer in Taoyuan had been out and about in the community. She had gone to a bank where we found three positive cases. Case number 17472 is a home carer married to an airport luggage cart handler. On January 4th, she had conducted transactions at a local bank. Although she had on a face mask throughout her visit, she was able to infect three bank staff in her vicinity. They've tested positive with low CT values ranging from 16 to 19. After one rapid test came back positive, we tested all workers at the bank branch, including 30 security guards and cleaners employed by a contract firm. So far, the results have come back positive for three bank staff. The three new local cases of recent activity in Taoyuan's Bada and Zhongli districts at places including a karaoke parlor, a supermarket and a department store. Mass disinfection has been conducted at the venues. With these new cases, Taoyuan's airport cluster now stands at 42 cases. The C CCC said it believes all 42 cases can be placed along the same chain of transmission. The local case with the earliest onset of symptoms is 17307. This case's S protein sequence is consistent with that of the imported case that arrived on December 24th. The genetic sequences show they're all from the same infection chain, so there isn't a big problem here. Case number 17307 is an airport cleaner stationed at the toilets in the luggage area. This case was infected by a traveler who arrived on December 24th and went on to spread the virus to others. The cluster now comprises nine cleaners, two security staff, four luggage cart handlers, and the people they infected in the local community. Viral spread in the airport cluster is slowing down. We've already carried out second tests on the relevant people. A second round of rapid tests is also underway. After we complete the third round of PCR tests, we should have a clearer picture of the situation. The fourth local case reported on Wednesday was a male caregiver in Taipei. The central government has judged it to be an old case, because when the case tested positive on January 4th, his CT value was already 34, indicating a relatively low viral load. When he was retested, his CT value was 40, which is even lower. So we think this is an old case that doesn't pose a great risk. With the virus on the prowl, the CECC urged the public to maintain good hygiene, cough etiquette, mask habits and other preventative measures. In addition to the four local cases, there were 92 imported cases reported on Wednesday, the highest single-day number for Taiwan so far. Among them, 58 were detected upon arrival at the airport the day before. Let's hear from the health minister. Now, 
So all the imported cases we are announcing today were diagnosed yesterday. That's 92 cases on January 11th. Of them, 58 were travelers who arrived on eight different flights yesterday and tested positive upon landing at the airport. The 58 people were sent straight from the airport to medical centers. The other 34 cases were detected in quarantine. On Wednesday morning, 5.57% of passengers on long-haul flights tested positive for COVID. The health minister said that for now, there are no plans to suspend flights from high-risk areas. He said that flight suspensions would be a major disruption to expats planning to return home for spring festival. So far, most of the infected passengers have had only mild symptoms. The health ministry said Taiwan may strengthen its border control measures if it starts to see more severe COVID cases. Taiwan has granted emergency use approval for Merck's COVID-19 treatment pill called Monilpiravir. The Food and Drug Administration announced the approval on Wednesday. Merck's pill is indicated for use on high-risk patients for the prevention of severe disease. Taiwan has ordered 10,000 courses of the drug, which are due to arrive shortly after Spring Festival. Molnupiravir, Merck's COVID-19 treatment pill, will soon arrive in Taiwan. It will mainly be used on high-risk patients to prevent severe symptoms. It is indicated for use within five days of symptom onset. That's when it should be used. It's for patients at risk of severe disease due to old age, diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, chronic lung disease, chronic kidney disease, or being overweight. High-risk patients include cancer patients. The pill can be used when they're experiencing mild to moderate symptoms. It can prevent some serious conditions. But Merck's pill has had less success than Pfizer's COVID treatment pill during clinical trials. The clinical trials of these two oral drugs seem to show that Pfizer's effect is slightly better. Merck's drug, during in vitro experiments, appears to affect genetic material. Can it affect human cells and cause real negative effects? It's not known at this time. Clinical trial data shows that Merck's pill can reduce the risk of COVID hospitalization or death by 50 percent. Last November, the pill was granted emergency use authorization in the UK. As for Pfizer's pill, it's been shown to reduce the risk of hospitalization or death by as much as 80 percent. Experts say that such pills are a game changer but are not suitable for every patient. If you develop a severe case of COVID, it can be quite serious. That is to say, you have to weigh the pros and cons. The pills have side effects. All drugs are limited in their effects. It is better if we can have both pills available so that there is more freedom of choice. A shipment of pills is set to arrive just in time to fight a growing airport cluster. Hopes are high that the treatment will help rein in the latest domestic outbreak. Taiwan is pushing back against a Chinese import ban on its grouper fish. Last month, China banned the import of live grouper from Taiwan, saying that it found illegal chemicals in shipments from two farms. On Wednesday, Taiwan announced that it had inspected the two farms in question. Both were found to be fully compliant with China's import regulations. The fisheries agency said that no illegal drugs were in use at the farm, contrary to China's claims. We turn now to a statement from Chinese authorities. We are not imposing this sanction as a warning of worse things to come. This is a warning from China that there must be a strengthening of fisheries inspection and quarantine measures on shipments from the Taiwan area. This is a reasonable and legitimate step to take. 
The Taiwan Affairs Office's statement and the actions from the Chinese side can't be taken at face value. We think these are trade sanctions with a political goal. We call on China to end this game of brinkmanship and stop targeting our agricultural and livestock products. Grouper fish is the latest Taiwanese import to be banned by China. The blacklist also includes pork products, pineapples, wax apples, and sugar apples. Did your parents ever tell you to give is better than to receive? Not all of us get that as a little kid. But if we're lucky, the truth of it might dawn on us. Let's head to Zhanghua to meet a community leader who makes it his model. With delicious free meals for those in need and events to keep the community spirit alive, Puxing Township just might be the warmest place in Zhanghua. What's cooking in this charity kitchen? Not a measly cold lunchbox. It's steaming hot teppanyaki. Pushing community leader Xu Zhenyong opened this teppanyaki restaurant and offers free meals to those in need. Local people light up when they see what's on the menu. People just come and collect it. No registration necessary. It warms my heart to see them enjoying a good hot meal. For neighbors who are unable to come and collect the meal, there's a home delivery service. And Xu is quick to lend an extra helping hand to those who are struggling. He also donated the outdoor exercise equipment that stands at the front of the community center. Since Xu became chief four years ago, the community has held a big barbecue every year at Mid-Autumn Festival. They take Lantern Festival seriously, too. The events are all free to attend, with Xu personally covering any extra expenses. Giving is better than receiving, he says. This kind of service is very sweet and happy. When we were little, our mom and dad taught us that we can help people, we can make society more harmonious. The main thing is being able to serve the community, that's the happiest thing. Puxing might be the most warm-hearted community in Zhanghua. Small acts of kindness and generosity are catching. Let's take a trip to Xinju now to meet a former prison inmate who's turned his life around dramatically. Eight years after being released, Zhang Yuanfu is a leader in a social enterprise run by former prisoners and working tirelessly to give back to his community. Our reporter joined him on a trip to deliver essentials to community elders, and we heard the incredible story of how Zhang turned away from drug addiction and crime towards a life of service. Jiang Yuanfu wears his bright orange jacket to work. Lifting up a box of rice, he places it on the bike seat, preparing to make a donation trip to local elderly neighbors who live alone. His friendly offers of help land like the kindness of family. Then he's back on the bike to visit the next neighbor, flitting to and fro in the streets of Xinju like a busy bee. The recipients of these care packages explain how much his kindness means. Few would guess that Jiang had a drug addiction in his youth and sold drugs for a gang. 
He got involved in gangs when he dropped out of junior high. After his military service, he wound up in criminal circles again, selling drugs and forging fake banknotes. He was caught and sentenced to 21 years in prison. Being in jail woke me up a bit, made me wonder if I was going to spend my whole life in prison. So I behaved well inside, and when I got out on parole in 2012, it felt like a whole new start for me. Now he visits prisons as well as schools to talk about his own experiences dealing drugs and urging youngsters not to take that path. When he left prison, his mother was already elderly. His daughter didn't recognize him. That's when he decided to put in the work to turn his life around. He began working at a social enterprise run by another former inmate. He started with lifting cement and rose the ranks to end up now vice president. All along, he wanted his family to see his redemption. My oldest daughter said to me once, it's not that I don't love you, it's just I don't know how to interact with you. It was such a coincidence. One day, I was giving a speech in a classroom and she happened to be just in the next room typing up a report. That's when she finally realized all the care I felt for them, all the things I've done for them in the years since I came back. She realized, my dad is actually so great. Jiang knows firsthand just how difficult it is for a former prisoner to find honest work. He now employs many other former inmates and provides employees with free lodging as a stepping stone back into society. The first half of his life was riddled with regrets, but now Jiang has so much to live for and even more to give. The Ministry of Education has sanctioned a Zhanghua University after it was accused of mistreating students from Uganda. 16 Ugandan students were allegedly forced to work at factories to pay off their tuition. One student representative said he was promised a scholarship, courses in English and paid internships. But he said none of those things materialized after he arrived at the school. The university has denied the allegations of mistreatment, saying that they stem from a misunderstanding. My patience and endurance were tested beyond measure. I was tortured both physically and psychologically, and not being able to get the quality education to fulfill my fundamental purpose of coming to Taiwan. Speaking at a press conference, Ugandan student Colin said he had been mistreated by his university in Taiwan, the Zhongzhou University of Science and Technology. He says he was promised English language courses, scholarships and paid internship opportunities. But after arriving in Taiwan, none of the promises were met and he was forced to work in a factory. I have moved from working over 10 hours a day, spending three nights without sleep, eating paigu fan of 40 NT dollars as a meal for weeks, and attending classes that I would barely understand anything. Collins is 21 years old. In 2019, he came to Taiwan to study intelligent automation engineering at Zhongzhou University of Science and Technology. But after he arrived in Taiwan, he did not receive the courses in English or the scholarship promised to him. Instead, he was forced to work at a factory completely unrelated to his studies for more than 10 hours per day and even to take a second job to pay off his student debt. In his little spare time outside of work, he could only attend courses in Chinese, despite not speaking the language. Because we every time went there and asked them to improve our the quality of education and even our well-being, but they never paid attention. That office's purpose is to demand money from international students. 
An automatic reduction was made to the students' tuition and fees. When we make arrangements for international students, we put them in courses in Chinese and English. They can choose to take on a side job, but they're free not to. So there are differences in understanding between the students and the administration. The school gave a conflicting account of the incident, but the education ministry has already imposed sanctions. The school has been listed as an institution requiring government intervention. It's also been barred from accepting international students. All relevant subsidies have been revoked. We ask the Ministry of Education to put an end to the chaos in the education system. About 81% of foreign students in Taiwan are not in programs designed specifically toward international students. That's about 50,000 students currently, but the number could go up in the future. So the ministry should investigate and scrutinize schools that let foreign students enroll in programs not geared to international students. The incident at Zhongzhou University of Science and Technology is not the first one in Taiwan. Similar situations were previously reported at the University of Kaohsiung and at Jingguo Technology University. The lawmaker called on the Ministry of Education to take action to protect Taiwan's image as an education destination. Since Lithuania allowed Taiwan to set up a de facto embassy last year, the European country has suffered backlash from Beijing. Most recently, a shipment of Lithuanian evaporated milk was refused by a Chinese port. But now it's been rescued by a Taiwanese business, which has produced a special milk tea commemorating the friendship of the two nations. A warm cup of Hong Kong milk tea is just the ticket on a cold January day. And this cup traveled a long way to get to the table. The Sri Lankan tea leaves are backed up by evaporated milk from none other than Lithuania. The shipment was originally destined for China, but they refused to take delivery at the Chinese customs. So then both our governments assisted us to get it through Taiwan customs as a special shipment. In November 2021, Lithuania allowed Taiwan to set up a Taiwanese representative office with that name in Vilnius. Enraged, China has since enacted economic sanctions on Lithuania, which is why that shipment was turned away at customs and left to float at sea for two months. <laughs> Lithuania and Taiwan cooperated to get the evaporated milk to Taiwan. It's made from distilled milk and is less thick and sweet than condensed milk. That makes for a delicate milk tea with fewer heavy trans fats. Inside this container sit hundreds upon hundreds of boxes of evaporated milk, enough for almost an entire warehouse. The businessman who accepted the shipment said laughingly that his evaporated milk stocks were running low due to last year's shipping bottleneck, so this shipment is perfect timing. He bought the 920 boxes of milk not just because they're good quality, but also to thank Lithuania for supporting Taiwan. We wanted to thank Lithuania, so actually we put some thought into this logo here. We turned the black clock into a Lithuanian flag to represent our relationship with Lithuania and thank them. The yellow, green and red colors of the Lithuanian flag emblazon the side of the can. It's a nod to the strength of international solidarity. African swine fever has been confirmed in Thailand one month after Taiwan found the virus in three pork shipments from the Southeast Asian nation. This Tuesday, Thai authorities confirmed the detection of the virus at a slaughterhouse west of Bangkok. Taiwan's agriculture chief went to Tainan on Wednesday to conduct an inspection of a parcel processing center. He said there will be new public awareness campaigns to discourage recent immigrants and migrant workers from ordering pork products from overseas. 
He also announced plans to amend the law so that penalties can be imposed on people who order virus-tainted pork products. Current laws only punish the sender of the parcel, who is typically overseas and therefore immune to Taiwan fines. Well, Taiwan woke up to temperatures in the teens and single digits on Wednesday as a cold, strong cold air mass hung over the island. Miaoli's Sanwan Township saw the mercury drop down to just 9.2 degrees. Taipei faced its coldest day of the winter season so far with lows of 12 degrees. The Central Weather Bureau expects temperatures to rise slightly on Thursday before dropping again the next morning. The hot spring is steaming hot and instantly soothing on a chilly day. On Wednesday, following the arrival of a cold air front, many older adults flocked to Beitou Park for a soak. There are more people here when it's cold. I come here three times a week. Not counting mountain ranges, the coldest place in Taiwan was Miali Sanwan Township, which recorded lows of 9.2 degrees. It was 12 degrees in Taipei, the coldest since the start of winter. On top of Ilan's Taiping Mountain, temperatures dipped to minus 1 degree Celsius. Freezing fog formed a layer of rime ice on the trees, but there was no snow due to insufficient moisture. The impact of this strong continental cold front was most obvious this morning. We expect to remain under the influence of this strong cold front tomorrow and the day after that. Temperatures will be on the low end, particularly in northern Taiwan. Tomorrow, on January 13th, lows nationwide will rise slightly compared to today. But another cold wave will later sweep in. So in the early morning of January 14th, we will see temperatures fall noticeably once again. The CWB says temperatures will rise slightly on Thursday, but that it will stay chilly throughout the day in the north and northeast. It expects low temps all the way to Friday before a gradual rebound over the weekend. There will be a chance of sunny skies, but day-night temperature swings will be significant. So be sure to pack on the layers if you head out in the evening.